And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, thank you everybody for joining. This is Darren Starr. This is episode 108 of The Drop Set. Thanks for hanging in there through all the uh, the weird scheduling stuff that's uh, that I've been dealing with lately. So I appreciate that. Lots of good uh, wishes and comments and feedback from everybody on the previous episode, which was definitely a little weird, um, a little abnormal. So um, this episode here today, um, 108, I am actually right now at... <clears throat> 12.07 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Knoxville. Um, I am live streaming this on YouTube as well. Um, why? Eh, you know what? Um, I uh, There's actually a YouTube channel I follow that's music-related. Uh, not that he needs it, but I'll give a shout-out. Rick Beato has a fantastic, absolutely fantastic YouTube channel. Anybody who is interested in um, music, whether it's theory or production um, or uh, songwriting or anything like that, Awesome, awesome channel. He does some stuff like this, um, where he has a lot of uh, pre-produced videos, but then um, he'll do live streams periodically as well. Now, I'm doing this specifically for a podcast, and the live stream, hey, YouTube, waving at you, um, is kind of an add-on. But uh, also, one of the things that can happen is, now, my YouTube channel is pretty, um, what's the right word? Pedestrian? Um, shitty might be another word. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that can happen though is, uh, you'll get a, a lot of, uh, in, input and feedback from people as you're live streaming. Questions will come through. Um, so far I'm getting flooded with questions, um, on this stream. Just kidding. Um, there hasn't been a single word uttered yet. So uh, we'll, we'll continue watching for that. Maybe somebody will hop on. I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens here. Maybe it could be you next time. Uh, if I am a total sadist and decide I want to try this again, um, you know, who knows? We'll see. But anyway, it's episode 108. We've got a couple things to go over here. Um, what uh, What's going on? First of all, I'll give everybody the quick update on dad. And the update there is there is really no news, which I guess is the best news. Um, you know, the doctors are saying basically at this point, we just want him to not be worse every day. <laughs> and, um, that is happening. Um, he's going in for, a MRI, just some, some updated imaging. Um, maybe today, I think maybe tomorrow. I kind of lost track of that. Um, but soon, soon. And so we'll know more about what's going on in his head and also check in on that broken neck and see what's going on there. So, um, he is, uh, I hesitate to say he's improving just because it can really vary day by day. Um, but, you know, um, he had a couple days like uh, Saturday and Sunday over the weekend where he didn't really speak at all. And uh, yesterday, Monday, he was saying he was kind of back to his normal. Hey, there's Bella making an appearance in the YouTube video here. Hey, Bella, watching you. Don't you piss behind me. I can actually see you now. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Good old Bella. Um. But uh, anyway, he's, he's back to saying, you know, a couple words here and there. He's getting a little bit more physically active, so those are good signs. So anyway, um, once again, really appreciate all the uh, feedback from everybody on that last week. Thank you. Um, so uh, what happened? Um, I did something interesting today. So I had a check-in with Coach um, uh, over the weekend and just mentioned, you know what? I mean, I got some issues here, and one of the issues was my feet are really hurting. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I experienced this a while back. So in, in my left foot, I've I've had a couple of recurring bouts of plantar fasciitis, um, and if you've if you've had that before, you know it is no fun. It's kind of silly, and it feels a little dumb that it can be so debilitating, but it really can be. Um, and mine was fairly mild, which was still enough to really be problematic. Um, 
and uh, that that's mostly on my left foot. And then on my right foot, I've had come and go a couple times now. This this pain that you know I kind of self-diagnosed through WebMD, which you know that's always correct and productive. I diagnosed it as a hairline fracture in my right foot, um, but I'm not sure. Um, so this came about several years back. I was in New Orleans, and my uh, I was down there with my wife. She was there for a conference, uh, an education conference, and so I had all the day to just kind of walk around. So there was one day where I logged about probably close to 30,000 steps. I also suspect that I did that in some bad shoes that were laced up a little too tight. Um, and so it got to the point where the day after that I was limping around. And then the day after that, I could not put any weight on that foot. I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? And I got back home and it, it got a little bit better for a few days, but still for about three weeks, um, I, uh, I, I, I could not walk without a limp. It was, it was really, really difficult. And it got to the point where I was like, all right, cool. I guess I need to go to the doctor. And then one day I woke up and it was fine. And it's been fine since until a couple weeks ago when it started coming back. Now that was years back. I'd say that was what, 2015 maybe. Um, and so now it's 2019, I guess. So, you know, it's been, it's been a while and it's been fine since then, but now that same pain in the same spot is coming back. Not quite as intense as it was before, but it just made me realize like I got to do something and it's just, it's a problem. And so I just mentioned it to coach just kind of offhand. And she said, you know, her being a, a former um, triathlete, um, she's like, you know, footwear is everything, you know, your shoes probably suck. I'm like, well, I wear Nikes, so you're probably right. Um, you know, the, the amount of thought that I put into my shoes and I mentioned this to the guy that I went and visited this morning. Um, it, it's similar to when you go for a haircut and those of you, um, who might be watching on YouTube, you'll notice. Yes. Recently, recently sheared up top. Um, that you go in for a haircut as a guy and they ask, how do you want it in back, rounded or squared? And I'm like, seriously, does anybody actually have any, any preference on that at all? Does anybody care about that? I mean, <laughs> the, the stylist will say, oh, you'd be surprised. Some people are really passionate about that. I'm like, well, that seems incredibly dumb. But whatever, who am I to judge? Uh, I have always viewed my footwear with the same level of apathy. I'm like, get me something that's a reasonable color that doesn't clash horribly with everything that I wear and that doesn't cause any pain to my feet directly, I can walk around like, yeah, okay, cool. So last time I went um, and bought shoes, I think I was in the store, like actually looking at shoes for about seven minutes, and I walked out with two pair. That's typical of the amount of thought that I put into shoes. Now, in my family, you know, my mom has always said like, oh, we all have really narrow feet, really flat feet. I'm like, you know, people say that all the time, but you know, does that actually mean anything? I don't know. I mean, everybody says they have flat feet, right? Or everybody says that basically nobody can ever find a shoe that, that fits for them. So my thinking is, you know, everybody always says they have, you know, super flat feet or super wide feet. I'm like, realistically, you know, probably it's just that, uh, you know, you can't find the right shoe. So I went to this place today. Um, it was uh, Fleet Feet in Knoxville. And they have a, uh, a 3D foot scanning machine there. So I've, I've heard of these before. I've just never done it. And uh, so this is the first time I've ever actually gotten on one of these. And so they, I'm looking right now. I, I can't show you on the podcast clearly and on uh, YouTube. I can't really you know show you much either. Um, but I'm looking at the scan right here. So it shows you, okay, here's an image of your feet. Here's a, and I, I did actually post, um, on my Instagram story, just a, a quick picture of, you know, th what the scan looks like here, but it also tells me, it gives me some interesting, um, statistics here. So, um, my left foot is a 12.1. My right foot is a 12.3 as far as sizes go. Um, let's see the, the width of your foot at the ball, um, 
that the guy in the shoe store said, and it, it, it ranks from narrow to wide. It goes 3A, 2A, A, B, C, D, E, 2E, 3E. So middle of the spectrum is kind of like C, D, and the guy at the shoe store said D, D is by far most common. Well, I, I'm an A on both. So I'm definitely, you know, narrow at the ball. Arch height, you know, it's low, medium, high. Both my right and my left, so it does measure them independently, are low. My right is on the upper side of low. My left is on the lower end of low. Like, it is flat. Um, Instep height, just if you have low arches, you know, it's from the floor to the the top of your foot, basically. If you have low arches, your instep is going to be low as well, and mine is extremely low on both. Um, My heel width is extremely narrow on both. My ball girth, which sounds kind of dirty, um is very, very small on both left and right. It's it's actually like pegging the left end of the spectrum here. It's the, the smallest of small. Um, instep girth, smallest of small for both sides. Um, heel to toe length, um, however, is the, the upper end of long for both. So, you know, size 12, but... You know, it's like it's like a size twelve if you measure front to back, but like a size zero if you measure size side to side. Um, ball width. Um, so my my ball width and girth are both um, the smallest of small. This sounds like a really personal conversation. I promise you, I'm talking about feet, feet entirely. That's it. Uh, so, um, God, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this episode. It's okay. I'm not gonna edit it. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're. We're just we're just gonna roll with it. You know what? It's all good. It's all good. Mom, I love you, but hey, you know what? <sighs> you should know better than to listen to this, frankly. <laughs> so basically, um, my feet are long, and in every other respect, they are tiny. Like they're super narrow, super flat. Um, and <laughs> the guy looked at this. He's like, "Yeah." No wonder you got some foot problems. I'm surprised they're not bigger than this. Um, the problems, that is. Um, and uh, I'm like, yeah, uh, this is kind of, it, it's very eye-opening to see that, okay, here is the spectrum and here is where you sit on it. And so, um, while my problems have not been severe, like plantar fasciitis, um, I, based on a conversation with a phys- physician, I attribute that more to, you know, really, really working um, my calves and having, you know, pretty well-developed calves, you know, I, I won't say that, uh, you know, I'm, uh, on the upper end of the spectrum for too many things when it comes to the physique, but I've got decent calves and I, I work them pretty good for that. Um, and I don't stretch them nearly enough. And so I think it, it's that imbalance more than anything else that probably helps lead to the plantar fasciitis. Um, just because stretching the calves routinely will help keep that at bay. Um, and then the, the thing on my right foot has largely just been about, um, yeah, I, I, I think it, it was related to more of an acute injury that, that, you know, that trip and walking around new Orleans with those bad shoes before. So, um, that being said, the fact that I've never really had appropriate footwear based on the size and shape of my feet. Um, cause you know, Nikes, which is what I typically wear. Why? Well, I grew up in Oregon and I can usually find them for, you know, pretty cheap. Um, whenever I've needed shoes, I've always gone to Kohl's. I don't know why. You know, it's like whenever you need certain things, I had this discussion with my wife, when you're looking for X, there's always a certain place where you kind of go for X. Like, oh, I need toilet paper. Well, this is the store I go to for toilet paper. Well, now I need toothpaste. Well, this is the store I go to for toothpaste. And oftentimes there's a ton of overlap there. Me, it's like I, I go to two places. I go to, well, a few places. I go to the grocery store for almost everything. I go to the pet store for dog food, even though they sell it at the grocery store, the brand that I get for my boy. So why do I go to the pet store? I don't know. It's easy to pick him up a toy there, I guess. Um, 
I'm not giving all of my money just you know signing my paycheck over to Kroger every week. <laughs> that might be another reason. I don't know. I go to Kohl's for shoes. I go to Target for shirts. And, and I mean, I go to Amazon for pretty much everything else. That that's it. Why? I don't know. Creatures of habit. That's what we are. So. Anyway, uh, at Kosha's recommendation, she said, find a specialty shoe, stop, shoe shop, one that can actually scan your feet and make a recommendation. And so I went to Fleet Feet. They did exactly that. And I walked out of there with some nice Brooks um, that were 130 bucks, which I know I can find them cheaper than that online. But what I can't get online is the expertise of somebody to help me find the right shoe. So um, now, now that I know what the right shoe is, I will probably go online and get additional pair of them down the road. Um, but nonetheless, it was a, they were super, super um, helpful. And it, it depends. Like if I can find this same shoe for 110 bucks online, I'll go to the local place and support them. If I can find it for radically cheaper than that, I'm going to take the cut and go online. So, you know, I, I, I like to support local, but only uh, within reason. And I think, I suspect, I haven't really looked into the prices on these things online, but I suspect they're not charging much of a discount online because they know a lot of people are in the, in the store because they know a lot of people are in my shoe, in my shoe no pun intended, where um, you'll go in, you'll get your scan, you'll figure out, okay, this is the money shoe for me. And then you, you, you know, if you're an intrepid shopper, you will go elsewhere and find it cheaper. So um, anyway, I think, frankly, um, I would have paid money. I would have walked in there and paid 40, 50 bucks for the scan and a recommendation. Um, so, and they did it for free. So um, anyway, um, very cool, very cool. Um, super, super helpful and very appreciative of them. How are we doing on YouTube here? We have no eyeballs watching. Well, this is a hit. Can I give myself a thumbs up? I can't. I can't even like my own live video. What the hell? God, it's a racket. It's a racket. Top chat, live chat. Okay, here we go. Oh, hold on. Hold potentially inappropriate messages for review. Now, if you've got something to say to me, I don't care if it's appropriate or not. Let, let her rip. Let her rip. Um, it's asking me to say something. I feel like I should. Type your questions here. I'm open to anything. <laughs> Once again, that sounds somewhat inappropriate. Um, okay, what else do we want to go over here? So I talked about shoes. Um, I've got, uh, so if you're watching this on YouTube, which uh, nobody is, but maybe some will later, um, you'll see a little behind the scenes because what I do um, for audio podcast listeners out there is, uh, you know, I'll do a quick pause here to like drop in a voicemail question and then listen to it and play it back. Um, and I do all that, you know, I, I chop that all out in the editing process. In On the YouTube version, though, I will not. So you, I'm not going to pause that. You'll be able to see everything here. So that being said, um, we do have a voicemail. So um, let's get to it and uh, see what he or she has to say. Hey, Dan, this is Tasha from Temple, Texas. I hope with all things considered, you're doing well. Um, I wanted to submit a question that's been burning on my mind, which is for fasted cardio. A couple of questions, I guess. The one, the first thing is, is how long do you need to be fasted in order to, or how long should you be fasted when you conduct fasted cardio? Six hours, eight hours, four hours. I'm just really curious about that. And then does it also matter what? type of cardio you do, stair stepper, elliptical, treadmill, um, or does it just need to be steady state? Does it need to be um, hit based? What are your thoughts? Thank you. All right. Thanks, Tasha. Good question. Um, appreciate the kind words, of course. Um, so fasted cardio. So um, th this is something where 
you're going to find, uh, as they, they say, you know, opinions are like assholes, you know, everybody has one and nobody wants to see yours or something. I forget how the actual thing goes, but you get the idea. Um, Lots of opinions on fasted cardio, obviously. You will find all kinds of people who are in uh, really lofty positions who will rail against it and say you should never do fasted cardio. And you'll find other people who say it's the only thing you should ever do. So what is it? The answer is, you know, somewhere in between. There is not a reason to avoid doing fasted cardio. The most resistance I get that's in that direction are from people who think that doing um, fasted cardio is going to... um, is going to cause atrophy, muscle loss, which is kind of silly. It's just not really how the body works. You know, if you are doing way too much cardio and you are way underfed over time, yeah, you can experience some muscle loss from there for sure. And in the for the purpose of getting lean for a show, especially uh, for a natural athlete, you're going to experience a little bit of muscle loss if you want to get lean enough to actually be competitive on stage. So um, that kind of comes with the territory and the whole point of prep is to minimize that as best you can. So, um, but just doing fasted cardio, no, no. Um, There's no reason to avoid it. There isn't necessarily a reason to always think that it's got to be what you have to do. And when most people are talking about fasted cardio, they're talking about first thing in the morning right when you wake up. Now, personally, I am a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that not because I think it's really physiologically that much more effective than anything else. Although I do think, you know, all things being equal, you're going to get a little bit more out of it, but we're talking percentage points. We're not talking order of magnitude. And I always tell people focus on the things that are going to push and pull the big levers when it comes to fat loss and don't worry too much and don't obsess over all the little dials and knobs that you can tweak to fine tune results. You focus on the big stuff. That's where your energy needs to go. Um, Now for me, Um, the big stuff for me is making sure that my sessions get in. And uh, for me, that means doing it fasted. First thing right out of bed when I wake up, when I don't have, uh, I haven't had the opportunity to talk myself out of it yet. So that's more of a practical, logistical argument for fasted cardio rather than a biological or a physiological argument for fasted cardio. Um, like I said, I think it is still probably a little bit more productive. And so all things being equal, you're like, I can do fasted cardio or I can do it later in the day. I have no issue doing it during either time. Which would you have me do? Oh, great. Do it faster then. Um, because then also it's out of the way. It's not some, it's just kind of makes the rest of the day a little bit easier. Um, you know, my mornings can be a little hectic. You know, all the people out there with, uh, you know, three or four kids are laughing their ass off right now at me. And rightfully so. Um, hectic is a relative term. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wake up and there's a little bit of a time crunch and, um, you know, my wife is the one who's really kind of scrambling to get ready cause she's got somewhere to be. She's got to be out of the house by seven. Um, and I like to, you know, I, I like to be as efficient as possible, which means I like to be done eating by the time she leaves. So then I can get, do a little bit of work and then head out to the gym. Um, which means kind of getting the dogs all coordinated as well. Um, I help make her breakfast. And so trying to squeeze in fasted cardio there means I've got to wake up a little bit earlier as well. Okay, that's fine. I have no problem with that. And I still think even though the degree of difficulty is a little bit higher than if I could just suck it up and say, you know what, I'm going to do my cardio at 2 in the afternoon when I'm totally free and I've got nothing else to do. Uh, You know, okay, that might be easy, but I just like getting it done first thing in the morning. I feel productive. Um... And as I've, I've said on here before, um, you know, who was it? Admiral McRaven, um, who gave that commencement speech on the value of making your bed first thing in the morning. Um, because it is, you know, it, it signifies uh, 
an accomplished task, even though small, and it puts your brain in a really productive space to start the day because one task completed leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Um, and I am a firm believer in that. If I, uh, I know, first of all, if I don't wake up on time, that's the first task I have failed for the day. And that's a, kind of a shitty way to start the day. So that is one reason why I, I you know, all things being equal, I will force myself out of bed uh, when I want to get up. Uh, or when I'm supposed to get up, not necessarily when I want to, when I'm supposed to get up, just because doing that makes everything um, more productive once again. And so then if I am supposed to do fasted cardio and I hit that, great, okay, awesome. Now that's another thing that's been knocked out. Um, uh, you know, meals on time, getting everything, remaining on schedule through those first, you know, critical 90 minutes to two hours. I feel like if I can do that, then I've gotten a good start off. The next thing for me is a little bit of email and then hitting the gym. And if things can remain in that productive space, then, you know, the most important part of the day for me, the lift, um, I, I approach that feeling productive and accomplished already. So, and then I have a chance there to continue that. So that's my theory on fasted cardio as far as how important it is. Um, now, that being said, um, and this is something that I've, I've gotten from my coach as well. She wants all my cardio to be fasted, but she does um, stretch the definition of that to say, you know, first thing in the morning is great. Post-workout, also great because, you know, you eat and then you wait an hour and then you lift and, you know, your you travel time, et cetera, cool down. You're two and a half, sometimes maybe even three hours removed from a meal by the time you start that fasted cardio, that post-workout cardio session. That's great. At that point, you're basically fasted. Um, now, I also, um, my meal timing is a little bit staggered later in the day. So I have one meal that's typically at about four. Um, that's usually about three hours, three and a half hours after the meal before that. So that uh, right before that meal is another opportunity. If I wanted to get some cardio in, in the afternoon, that's when I would do it. And that's, you know, three and half hours fasted. That's fine. You know, you don't have stuff in your stomach at that point. You know, it's you're um, depending on what you've eaten, but you know, typically gastric emptying rates are going to ensure that you've got a relatively empty stomach by that point. So, um, that's good enough. Um, that's good enough. Does the type of cardio matter? Um, I'm not a big fan of what people would call like low intensity, um, steady state cardio. Um, if you're doing a little bit, I would like it to be hard. I mean, if you're doing, you know, between like three and five sessions a week, about 30 minutes, I think those sessions should be hard. And I'm a big fan of HIT um, for, for that. Now, there gets to be a point, and everybody has a motor that is slightly different. Some people, they can hit their asses off. Um, let me rephrase that. They can interval their asses off and just do a ton of interval cardio and feel great. And, you know, they sleep well, they wake up well, they've still got energy, their workouts are good, etc. Some people, you throw a handful of hit sessions at them and it's like, boom, it's like the bottom dropped out completely. I can handle a little bit of it. Um, like I can do um, during my last prep, I was able to do um, towards the end there, um, interval cardio every morning, seven days a week, no real big issues. You know, I wasn't going to say I loved it, but it was fine and I felt okay with it. Um, and then I would do, I'd throw in some post-workout cardio. And at that point, um, and that wasn't all days, but many days, I would throw in some post-workout cardio. And that felt like, you know, a moderate intensity was about all I could muster just because the overall volume and what I was being asked to do just based on, you know, the engine size of my own body, that was about all I could stomach. Um, I couldn't just, you know, I, I couldn't possibly consider the idea of doing hit fasted in the morning and then hit post-workout as well. It just wasn't going to happen. So I had to go with moderate intensity there. And as far as the, the type of cardio, so the, I mean, that's the, the type, the mode of cardio, like what you're doing for it. 
almost completely and totally 100% irrelevant. As long as your heart rate gets up, that's all I care about. And the other thing I would say is um, pick a mode of cardio that puts the fewest miles on your odometer. Just thinking, you know, a lot of things lead to overall body fatigue. What we want is your heart rate. I don't want you getting gassed or, you know, overexerting. I want you appropriately exerting. And then also, you know, what puts more wear and tear on your body? And, you know, realistically for cardio, there isn't much that puts more wear and tear on your body than running. Um, especially if your technique is bad or, as we discussed before, if your footwear is suboptimal. Um, uh, you know, a, a mile on the elliptical, we'll call that a baseline because that's pretty low intensity. I, I would say, you know, it's somewhere around like a, probably a mile and a half of running is equivalent to that. Or, I mean, that, that you're putting, you know, 50% more wear and tear on your body. I'm totally just making numbers up right now. But the idea being it is something that is um, – for most people, going to put more wear and tear on your body, and I don't think it's worth it. Uh, we want to keep the overall miles on your odometer low. So, and, you know, if you run and you feel great with it, awesome. I have a lot of people who, uh, as clients, who love to run. They love to run for cardio, but they're like, you know, if I do more than a couple sessions a week, my knees start to hurt, etc. Well, stop it. You know, you may love to to run, but running doesn't necessarily love you. Do a little bit, but don't do it for all of your sessions. Do things that put less wear and tear on your body because over the course of prep, we're going to put it through a lot. And the more unnecessary stress and strain you put on yourself, um, the harder you're making it. And the more you're just going to have a, a more difficult recovery um, after prep is done. And one that, you know, I mean, sometimes your body will bounce back, you know, God forbid something could happen and you could actually injure yourself in a way that makes you pull out of prep or forces you to have a prolonged recovery afterwards. None of those things are good. And if all we can do is say, Hey, we're going to do less running and spend more time in the bike or the elliptical or get on a rowing machine or do some battle ropes or, you know, mix it up. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Now for me, I've got an elliptical out in my garage. I love it. That's great. I mean, it, it's not the world's greatest elliptical, but man, it's hard to beat for convenience. It doesn't make anything hurt. Um, it feels effective, gets the heart rate up. That's what I need. That's what I need. Um, so anyway, uh, hopefully Tasha, that helps. And so, um, I have not forgotten. Um, we've been doing this raffle for, uh, questions that get, uh, that get called in. So, um, the last time we did the raffle, um, who was it that won? Was that, uh, was that Emily that won that time? I think so. So um, since then, however, we've had, holding up for the YouTube camera here, Mark. Mark called in. Um, I hadn't forgotten you, Mark. Don't worry. And then this is Tasha. So Tasha, I'll write your name here on this Post-it note. Tasha. And so uh, at some point when I decide I've had enough, um, I'll crumple these up, throw them in a shaker cup, and pull out a winner. Um, and that person will uh, win the raffle for this week and win something from the five-star physique apparel shop. So um, what else do we have here? Um, this was a question from a client of mine, Dan. He did not call in with this, but it was something as a, kind of a supplement to his check-in, which I found um, very useful. Um, and uh, I gave him a response, and this is going to lead to a blog post as well, but I thought let's talk about it here as well. So um, he said, it seems there are a variety of accessories people use for lifting. He's talking about belts, wraps, etc., etc. Never really understood what any of that is for exactly. Is that something you need to look into as a preventive measure? Are those ap applications more reactive or to prevent injury? Thanks. And so that's a great question. Um, I like that. And let me actually pull up the response that I sent over to him um, just to make sure I don't miss anything here. There we go. 
All right. Um, YouTube, how we doing? Hey, we're still there. Somebody's watching. I, I see. I see. There is a set of eyeballs out there. I don't know who it is, um, but you can. Uh, you know, it's it's over here. I don't. I don't know where it is for you. It's over here for me. You can type in a question. If you've got anything on your mind, want to say hey, introduce yourself, or if you just want to lurk. That's cool too, but uh, I'm all about audience participation. So, um, so Dan's question, um, you know, I, I I thought of a few things here, and there, there are certainly more things that we can go on from here. So, um, accessories, so things that you might throw in your gym bag that have some kind of a situational use. Um, what are they? First of all, so let's just knock them out here. Um, first is a lifting belt. Um, I'm not a big fan of lifting belts. Typically, they have a situational usefulness, and uh, especially if you have some kind of a lower back injury in your history, um, they can be uh, useful. And now, what what is a lifting belt? It is something that is really more than anything else. It is a cueing device. It is something that helps cue your body to maintain intra-abdominal pressure, um, which in so doing helps keep your spine straight. Now, all that being said, you don't need a belt for that. You can just think about it. And I, 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 in my experience, I haven't even found that the belt is really more effective than just engaging your brain and thinking, okay, I need to maintain my intra-abdominal pressure here and keep my back flat. Um, so that, that for, for me also, it's a, you know, I, I've, I've talked about before, I have a, a hernia I've been nursing for years, um, an abdominal hernia. So I, I can't really maintain intra-abdominal pressure and kind of bear down like that just because that's going to exacerbate the problem. So I always need to keep air moving in and out. So I'm really cognizant of my breathing. A belt just restricts that, kind of defeats the purpose. So um, I'm not a big fan. I think people overuse it. And the real issue here is, it, especially if you don't know what its purpose actually is, it can provide a false sense of security that's going to make you overstep your bounds as far as weight that you want to put onto a bar. Um, you know, it doesn't make you stronger. You know, it doesn't make it doesn't it shouldn't really necessarily make you lift a whole lot more weight or anything like that. Um, now, with some people, it can just be that little boost of confidence where it's like, you know what, pretty sure I can pull 375 here, but let me just throw on the belt. And uh, I think all things being equal what you can pull with a belt and what you can pull without, unless you're at a very high level, probably not a whole lot of discrepancy there. Um, but the, the confidence that you can get from the belt can be helpful as long as it's not, doesn't lead to overconfidence. Um, knee wraps. Um, that's another thing. So no, I'm not talking knee sleeves. I'm talking knee wraps. So these are the elastic wraps. I think they're typically about four feet long, maybe five, um, where you wrap and wrap and wrap and wrap and wrap and then tuck them in. Um, so it's like, you know, they, they wrap, um, uh, above and below the kneecap to kind of form a little, um, a little pocket around it. Um, and it's, uh, if your knees are complaining, like giving a, some, some ache and pain when you go heavy, um, or if they just kind of lack stability that can help impart a little bit of stability. So situationally, um, yeah. Now, if you have a significant knee injury in your history, no, I mean, knee, knee wraps, if anything, they're, it, it's kind of like, you know, do you take a painkiller when you kind of need to be feeling the pain to know when you should pull back on something? Same thing here. Do you want something that makes your knees feel better when that pain, um, feedback loop that they're giving you is useful? Um, and I, I would say, you know, if, if you have known issues and injuries that you're dealing with, probably not a good idea. And 
the the main time when you're going to feel some benefit from knee wraps is when you go heavy. And if you're dealing with a, a history of, of injuries, going heavy might not be the answer for you. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. My knees are good. Mine are fine. Um, if I go heavy on a leg press and I just feel like, mm, I want a little extra something here, that's when I'll use them. So I carry them around with me all the time. I use them very rarely. Um, sometimes when I'm squatting as well, if you go really tight with them, they can really give you a lot more rebound on a stretch reflex, which, you know, isn't necessarily productive. So, you know, if my lower back is cooperating, I can absolutely go heavier on a squat if I'm using knee wraps. But again, that's because they're helping with a stretch reflex, not necessarily because the muscles are firing that much harder. Um, so again, kind of a situational thing. Um, there are elbow wraps, um, which are challenging, to, to apply yourself for sure. It usually takes a, a partner to help put them on. Um, but uh, they'll help with bench in a very similar way. Much less common, but it's another thing. Um, wrist wraps. Now, this is something that I'm a fan of. And again, it's probably situational. Um, I have very, very um, weak uh, extremity joints. Um, so wrists and ankles, but not, not weak, but small, slight, I guess you could say. So, um, I have very small wrists and very small ankles. So, um, when it comes to, uh, doing anything with a flexed wrist, that would be any kind of a press, basically, um, a, a little support through the wrist, a little compressive support, super, super helpful. Um, also, um, both of my wrists have, have had some injuries in the past, nothing catastrophic, but you know, when I was on my last prep, I had that, um, that pretty significant, um, sprain in my left wrist, um, that required wearing a brace for a while. It still is, you know, I can, I can feel it. It doesn't really hold me back too much. Um, it does make me alter some things every now and then, um, or go a little bit lighter on some moves and just slow it down. Like I was doing round offs for shoulders today, which is like a lateral raise where you go out to the side and then you bring your hands around to the front and then back up to the side and then back down. Um, and the, specifically it's that change of direction in there, um, that where there was a lot of potential for my wrist to get really dicey. So with 15 pound dumbbells, it was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't like that. 12 was okay. So I just, I, I did that and slowed it down. I actually got a video of that that I'll probably post later today. So, um, uh, wrist wraps, I, I am a fan of, I feel much more comfortable and much more confident pressing. Um, like I did a machine shoulder press today and I always wear a wrap around my left wrist. It's just usually fairly loose. Um, but I think if anything else, it's more of a security blanket than anything else. Um, I haven't worn one around my right wrist in a while, but the left one definitely feels a benefit from that. Um, I'm going all like Michael Jackson with the one glove kind of situation here, but just my left wrist will get wrapped. Um, and then when it, uh, like for my last set on, uh, the machine press, when it was getting a little bit heavier, I wrapped that sucker up tight just to give a little bit more compression, a little bit more stability in there. And then, you know, you release the tension on that down to something a little bit more modest when it, uh, when, when it's not quite as compromised. So definitely a fan of wrist wraps. Um, again, it's a situational thing for me. I am in the situation where I, I pretty much always get some benefit from that. Um, gloves would be another thing. Just don't, 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 don't. Um, I will tell this to anybody and I, I would say it, it's not a battle that's worth fighting. Like if somebody's like, but my hands, I'm like, that's fine. You do it. Just know that I'm totally judging you when you use gloves. Okay. End of story. There are no exceptions to that, but I'm a hand model. I don't care. You know what? I, I just don't, I have no sympathy for you. Yeah. Don't No. No gloves have no place in a gym. End of story. That's it. Um, lifting straps. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. If there's one thing on this list that's essential, it's lifting straps, um, specifically for back day. Um, back day, deadlifts, RDLs, anything like that where you're going to be holding something for an extended period of time and it is not a forearm or grip strength exercise. Like farmers carry, yeah, don't wear your straps. You know, that's kind of the point is to be able to hold on to it. If you were lifting straps on a farmer's carry, I mean, clearly you're, you're the kind of guy that won't play a video game without a cheat code as well. So, um, but for, for back exercises, you know, the goal is you want to work your back and you don't want to be distracted by a weak grip or you don't want to lose reps towards the end of a set that your back has in the tank, but you can't perform because your grip has given out. At that point, we're in the, the failure zone, and I don't mean that in a productive sense. I mean, you have failed. Um, so lifting straps, hugely, hugely helpful. Um, that would include VersaGrips. Um, you know, there are a couple different products in that category. I always go for just the plain lifting straps, not any that have the neoprene padding around the wrist because those just that just gets in the way. Um, you know, the, it's made out of fabric. It's not made out of razor blades. You know, you don't need padding in there. You don't need protection. Just, you know wear it, know how to use it, understand that most of those products don't come with instructions, but that I have a really handy video that you can find in my archives on YouTube on how to uh, use your lifting straps just straight out of the package with no instructions, never been used, uh, because they do have to be like, you know, folded the right way. You have to put the right one on the right hand. I'm sorry, the correct one on the correct hand. Um, and then actually how to use them. And they, they can take a little bit of getting used to for sure. But um, with a little bit of practice, they can be very quick, very easy, and very, very beneficial. Um, what else might go on this list? Something like a waist trainer? No. 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 Not a fan of waist trainers at all. Or the, um, you know, the, the sweat belts or other garbage nonsense like that? No. No. That is total bullshit gimmickry um, that has no place in anybody's arsenal. I mean, unless, you know, the, the one exception to that is if you get a really, really good mental boost in seeing how much sweat you can lose through a cardio session. All right, cool. You know, I'm all for good mental boosts. Do not kid yourself into thinking that that has any long-term increase in productivity unless we're talking about your mental state helping you hit things harder from day to day, in which case, all right, I, I, I can get that. But the, the sweat belt it's, and the products that you put on there, those themselves, don't kid yourself into thinking that those have any impact directly on anything because they do not. They're, they're, they're snake oil, but they, they can provide a little bit of a mental boost, and I, I will say that is not entirely worthless. Um, so what, what else might happen here? What else might, I mean, you know, other things that you might take into the gym, like, you know, resistance bands. I use mini bands um, semi-regularly. I carry around um, a short and a long and, and two long ones with me all the time. I'm a short orange one. These are from Elite FTS. Um, they're like, uh, you know, you can uh, wrap them around parts of machines to uh, provide a little bit of um, elastic resistance. Um, like you can do a banded leg press, a banded hack squat, a banded machine press. Um, you know, you need to get a little bit creative with how you apply those in certain situations. Um, you could actually do a banded dumbbell incline press. I've, uh, press. I've done that before where um, you have the, uh, 
the band kind of behind you and then you work uh work one side into your left hand and one side into your right hand so when you press your hands forward you have the resistance of the band being included in whatever weight uh, you have with the dumbbells as well a little bit of a, a tricky i mean that's the thing all this stuff is logistically complex to set up um but it can be worthwhile in certain situations i like doing a spider crawl up and down a wall with a short resistance band wrapped around your wrists where you pull your hands apart so you maintain tension as you then do a spider crawl up and down the wall with fingers open really really kills the rear delts um got that one from john meadows um there's a lot of applications for those um you could do if, if you've got i find this easiest with a partner but like a banded dumbbell pullover especially if you don't have a pullover machine um you can do it on a cable setup but um using a, a dumbbell pullover you can put a band around the dumbbell and then anchor the uh, other end around you know a nearby piece of equipment or have your partner hold on to it um very logistically challenging to uh, to do it by yourself in the gym. Nonetheless, um, bands are a good one. What else? Um, ankle cuffs can be really helpful um, or stirrups. Um, alternatively, if you want to do like some uh, cable kickbacks, cable leg raises, I'm sorry, cable uh, leg curls, stuff like that. What else might we have? I'm thinking of what else I have in my gym band. I have some... Um, uh, occlusion bands for blood flow resistance training, blood flow restriction training, sorry. Um, I have issues with those just because I have really sensitive skin, and if I keep them on there for an extended period of time and I sweat, I'm going to break out. Um, so it's one of those things where, yeah, I, I, I think that's helpful. I think it's beneficial. Um, the science behind it is sound. Um, it's the practical side of it that makes it a little bit more challenging for me. Um I think that's about it. I can't think th those were things that I didn't even um, include in my uh, email response to Dan. But like I said, I'm going to write up an article um, that goes into those in, in more in depth and we'll include links if you, you know you're interested in picking up any of those things. You know, not affiliate links. I'm not going to make anything off of those, but um, just so you can get a sense of what we're talking about here. Um, well, that's it, though. I think that's about it. So was there anything else that I wanted to go over today? I don't think so. I think we're about good. So um, once again, the phone lines are open, as they always are. So the call-in number, if you want to get entered into the latest raffle here, is uh, 865-518-2974. Call in with your questions, whatever you've got. Um, my future plans here, I will be going back to Oregon soon. So that will um, be probably a Friday through Monday trip when I do it. This weekend would be great um, as far as convenience is concerned. Um, oh, Cody on, uh, on YouTube. Thank you. Uh, he says, thanks for all the time and effort. You no problem. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Thanks for watching, by the way, um, and listening. So um, I will be going back to Oregon sometime fairly soonish to, to go visit the family and hang out with dad a little bit more. So um, this weekend would be great. Just because, um, you know, for me, it's all for, for us here, it's all about coordinating, you know, who's going to um, stay with the dogs um, because I'm with them all day during the day. And, you know, little Bella, who is, you know, if, you, if you're watching the video, she is right there, sacked out on the rug right now. She's 17 and a half. She's actually closer to 18 than 17. And, you know, if you've, if you've been watching this video and you've seen her kind of like lumbering around in the background, she falls over. That's what she does. She needs a little special TLC. And she can't be left alone all day when my wife's at work. She just can't at this stage. So um, my wife has a four-day weekend for President's Day coming up. So um, this weekend would be really convenient while she's off to go. But I'm looking at ticket prices. They're really expensive. And, you know, 
a, a later date would make a lot more sense as far as where dad is expected to be in his recovery as well. So um, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to play that by ear and just kind of see what happens and take it as it comes. So um, once again, I appreciate everyone's words of support. Um, I appreciate everybody who listens. Thanks. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy it, tell a friend. Um, because one thing that I'm having a tough time doing is trying to secure guests that talk about things that I want to talk about because I don't have the listening statistics to justify them spending time on this podcast. I don't have enough people listening yet. So um, that's partially, that's mostly on me, but you can help just by, uh, you know, when, when you listen, share on social media, talk to your friends about it. Um, I will get some t-shirts made up as well. So if you want to um, wear your support, um, that'll be an option soon as well. So um, stay tuned for that, of course. And uh, you can see what I'm wearing here. If you're watching the podcast, a fancy five-star physique uh, V-neck tee. This one is in, uh, I think they call it city green. Um, but yeah, so um, fivestarphysique.com slash shop. You can find all the apparel up there if you want to, uh, want to show your support and uh yeah anything else about me is up on that site as well so you can read about coaching services you can check out workouts um and uh see where you can uh, follow me on social media as well so that's all i got i'm gonna wrap this up thank you once again for listening i appreciate it and i will check in with y'all maybe friday i don't know you can also i mean the the one place where i will always go to keep you up to date on what's going on is instagram that's where i am most active on social media so um instagram at darren underscore star d-a-r-i-n underscore Score S-T-A-R-R. You can check me out there. Um, my story is pretty active, so if I'm traveling or doing anything or something's going to be delayed or whatever, I'll let you know all there. So once again, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Catch you next time.